God's greatness and goodness is revealed. As we pray with faith and expectancy, knowing He is able and willing to respond. Whether in times of celebration or in times of trouble. Through all the ups and downs of everyday life. God is faithful to hear us as we call out to Him. With all the conversations that require our time each day. The most important ones are the ones we have with our Father. The Word of God says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. This is who we are. We desire an intimate relationship with the Lord. We pray every day. Oh, good morning to y'all. Good to see you. Last night we wrapped up our men's retreat right here in our, we didn't go away to a conference center like normal due to some of the restrictions that are that we're walking through, but we had a wonderful time with the men of this church, and I just went away saying, God has blessed us with some wonderful men that truly love the Lord, that are out to love their families, out to change the world. It's really privileged to be a part of that. So let's, men, let's hear hoorah, hoorah. There we go. Good guys, a lot of fun. Good to be together. I appreciated our flexibility to have a retreat right here in our church building. Let's pray as we open the word today. Father, I thank you for your goodness. God, I am particularly grateful for the fact that we serve a living God, a God that is alive and well, is not shaken by the pandemic or anything else going on in this world, and that you have left your spirit with us to guide and be with us and comfort us and speak to us, God. Be with us this morning as we look to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The second part of a series that I'm calling Walking by Faith or Freedom to Live by Faith. And the, rep, the reference that I want to really focus on is Romans 1.17. Short little verse that has changed the world that says the righteous will live by what? Let's say it together. The righteous will live by faith. That means it's a way of life. The righteous is us, right? It's kind of nice to have this church in the round, all the way around to the corners here. The righteous will live by faith. That means that that is how you're supposed to live each and every day. The scripture also says that that which is not of faith is sin. So, fairly simple. Your choice is as followers of Christ to live by faith or to be in sin. So we want to live by faith. Everybody raise their hand, amen. We want to live by faith. That's what we want to do. So how do we do that? What does that look like for us to live by faith? In the first part of the message, we talked about living by faith for salvation. It's the bottom line. You can't walk by faith if you don't know Christ. You can't walk by faith if you don't have the Holy Spirit residing within you. We are called to walk by faith. Scripture is very clear that we're not saved by our works. In America, we tend to have this sense that you get to heaven and there's going to be this great celestial balance. They're going to put all your good works here and all your bad works here, and then hopefully the scale tips, you've done more good than bad, and the door opens up and you go into heaven. That's not the way it works. It's not just a matter of balancing good and bad. It's a matter of have you put your faith in Christ because justice says our sins separate us from God. And the scripture tells us of a God that sent his son Christ and that through faith in Christ, praise the Lord, we can be saved through faith in Christ. Scripture says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's very important that we get that because that goes in opposition to or in a different direction from what we hear and see on TV and see in the movies. Faith in Christ for salvation. But today I want to talk about faith in Christ for direction. Faith in Christ for decisions in your life. Being led by the Spirit. You know, one of the greatest steps in faith 
is when you learn to be led by the Spirit. Romans 8.14 is our verse for this morning. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Once again, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. If you just flip that around, you are the children of God. I'm speaking to what I think is mostly people who are saved. You are the children of God, therefore you are to be led by the Spirit of God. That's really what it means to be a Christian. As Christ fills our life and the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, then that Spirit comes to lead us and guide us throughout our lives. Christianity is not a long list, that long shopping list of do's and don'ts. It's not just a list of moral fortitudes or moral rules that you have to live by that you get out of Proverbs. And all of those things are good. But that isn't, that isn't the key thing to what it is to be a Christian. A Christian is one that has opened their life to Christ. The Spirit of God lives in us and then teaches us and guides us. And man, to me, that just makes faith so much more fun. If it's just a list of rules, it really isn't all that different from some other religion. There's some good rules in some of the other religions. But that's not what our faith is about. Our faith is about having the Spirit of God living in us, dwelling in us, changing us, and then guiding us on this great adventure. Man, as I have learned over my life, and I'm still learning, you know, as much as you learn, you still feel like you're a beginner sometimes. And as I am learning to be led by the Spirit of God, it is exhilarating, it is terrifying, it is exciting, it's just not boring. If you're bored in your walk with Christ, I would dare say you're probably not stepping out in faith. Because it's not boring when the Lord says, go across the street, knock on your neighbor's door, and tell them Jesus loves them. Try that one for it. You won't be bored. You'll be going, oh, I don't know. But there's an excitement as we learn to listen and be led by the Spirit. But my question is, therefore, what does that mean? What does that look like? How is it that we are led by the Spirit? There's multiple scriptures where we see it's always good to go back to the Word of God because if we're led by the Spirit, it's going to be consistent with His Word. I remember a lady coming to me saying, I'm divorcing my husband because he's not spiritual enough. I need to be married to a spiritual leader, so I'm divorcing my husband. I said, you know, can we go back to the Word? I don't think that's a good idea. And we went back to the Word. What does the Word say about marriage? And the Word of God is, when the Lord speaks, so it's going to be consistent with his Word. Moses was led by the Spirit out into the desert. Moses was led to go back to Egypt, speak a word to Pharaoh. Moses was led by the Spirit of God. Jesus, Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So I'll take a pause on that for a minute. Sometimes we think when we're led by the Spirit, we're going to be led by the Spirit, and it's all going to be great. It's all going to be fun, and everything's going to work exactly like we want it to. And Jesus was led by the Spirit, where? Into the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil. I'm sure that was not an enjoyable, it was a very challenging and difficult time. But the Spirit will lead us in directions. And we have to be careful when we hit the, bow, when we hit the wall, because we will, right? When God calls you into things, there will be challenges and opposition. And when we hit that, we need to go back to that word of the Lord and not say, well, this must not be God because there's opposition. No, actually, normally there's opposition. And so, I mean, here we have Mario, right? <laughs> I hear you over there, brother. They're called to go into Jerusalem, to go live in Israel and they have opposition they are facing right now. Visa problems. 
and we will rejoice when God opens those doors. But they're holding on to that word that God has given them. Paul was led by the Spirit. It says in Acts 13, 4, Paul being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Sent out by the Holy Spirit. You know, what, what really happened there? Well, they were praying, and there was leadership, and as they prayed, they were together saying, we believe that Paul is to go. And they were sent out by the Holy Spirit, and they sailed to Cyprus. So let's be led by the Spirit of God. I just try to imagine what our lives would look like, what this church would look like if we were really tuned in and daily being led by the Spirit of God. It doesn't mean you would always be going on a mission trip. It doesn't mean you'd be going on evangelism every day, although that certainly could be part of it. It may be that God would lead you where to go that day. Or you drive by somebody and the Lord says, why don't you stop and sit back there? You go, oh, it just means being led by the Spirit of God, that God would be speaking to us and that we would be listening. Janet and I, my wife Janet, we have really good communication in our marriage. It's one of the things that we deeply enjoy. But I was thinking there's so many different ways in which we communicate. There's a lot of ways in which we communicate. There's phone calls. We have a text throughout the day. Maybe some FaceTime if we bring some family members into it. There's face-to-face -face communication. Sometimes it's just a, a touch, even a look, a tone. There's so many ways in which we communicate in our marriage. And God has many ways that he communicates to us. Sometimes we get stuck in one way, but I think the Lord wants to speak to us in lots of different ways. I want to talk about some of those ways in which the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. And faith, we speak about this walk of faith. Faith is believing that God exists and believing that God is speaking to us in a different sermon someday, I'll talk about how we process these words to be sure that we're listening well and listening accurately. But faith is believing that God speaks to us and that we're not crazy, right? I mean, the world, some of the, they think he thinks God's talking to him. Well, thinking that God is talking to you does not make you crazy. It makes you a Christian makes you a follower of Christ that can hear the voice of God. So how does God speak to us? Well, one way that God speaks to us is audibly. God in the scriptures and still today will speak audibly. Now, I have never heard the Lord, I don't think, speak audibly to me. I don't recall a situation in life where the, I've heard the voice of God speak to me. I would enjoy that. Hopefully I would recognize that, but that's not been my experience. But go through the Bible. You have Moses. It's interesting studying this this week. Moses in the burning bush, and what did he hear? Moses, Moses. Moses says, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy ground. He heard the voice of the Lord audibly. Moses did. Samuel was in the temple, a little boy, laying down in the temple, getting ready to go to sleep. Spirit was probably calming down, and he hears, Samuel, Samuel. It was so clear, he ran to the priest and said, what do you call? Here I am. Talk to me. And the priest said, I didn't call. Happened again. Third time, he realized this is the voice of God. He heard the vo his name, Samuel, Samuel. Most notably, maybe the Apostle Paul. He's on the road to Damascus. Now, this is a man who is working against the church. God can speak to anybody. He's working against the church. He's on his high horse, and God knocks him off his high horse. I love it. Just, I must have had fun. Just knocked him off and goes, Saul, Saul. 
I noticed in this, every time I, I read this, God said the names twice. I'm sure there's some reason I can't quite figure out, but if you've ever heard your name twice, Paul, Paul, listen up, all right? That must be one of the signature calling cards of God. He calls first time to get our attention, and second time, maybe let us know he knows our name or something like that. Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God spoke audibly in these situations. I was talking to a friend of mine, J.R. Lupke. J.R., come on up. J.R. and I have had some good times hanging out together. I love this guy. And uh, he was telling me when God spoke audibly to him in a situation, I thought it'd be great to hear his testimony today. Morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to be back. My family and I haven't been uh, been here on campus in some time, and it's good to see the top half of so many familiar faces. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bud. Um, I remember as a, a very young kid wanting to hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, I was a spiritual little guy. I was going to play baseball in the MLB and be a pastor on Sundays. And, uh, you know, you, you always hear about different stories from the Bible uh, where you would hear the voice of the Lord or at church. And I also had an older sister uh, that often heard the voice of the Lord. Uh, many of you know Dee Hawkins. Um, if you don't, she's sitting right over here. Uh, she's an amazing person and uh, someone I still look up to. Uh, anywho, it's uh, uh, something that was a little bit frustrating at times, uh, always wanting to hear that voice of the Lord and having someone so close to you that, that did. Uh, it's kind of like, oh, well, Maybe he's not listening to me. Maybe he's not hearing me. Uh, wondering what was going on there. And as I grew up, um, went to college, and, and my relationship with the Lord started to drift. I uh, went through some tough times in middle school and, and high school that culminated in uh, my closest friend uh, dying tragically my senior year. I had talked to him about 15 minutes before the accident, and I was actually supposed to be with him that night. Uh, but I had to stay back, work my job as a dishwasher to be able to make ends meet. Um, so it, it, it was a very tough time, and uh, I went very quickly from a straight-A student, 4-0, to nearly not graduating high school in about six months. Um, it was very difficult, and it, it led me to uh, a journey of kind of wondering what life was as I entered college, kind of trying to put those pieces back together that, that used to fit but didn't quite go back together the same way. So trying to find myself, trying to find my spirituality, and, and trying to find who I wanted to be. Um, one night, I was uh, on my way back from the cities to school, uh, driving through the middle of nowhere, Podunk, Wisconsin. I'd already passed the cow. I'd already seen the field. <laughs> so there's, there's just not a lot to look at out there. And, uh, you know, I was exhausted, very tired, and I started to fade. Um, did what most of us do at that point, right? You turn up the radio, try and get going to a song, maybe turn up the AC, turn down the, uh, uh, roll down the window, uh, stop for a pop or an energy drink. Yeah, none of those were working that night. Um, I continued to fade and, and hit the rumble strips a couple of times, and that woke me back up, and my eyes got heavier and heavier uh, until they closed and they didn't open back up. My car veered off the highway into the ditch, uh, heading towards a grove of trees, when I very audibly heard a stern voice from behind me, uh, JR, wake up. I jolted awake and uh, quickly realized I was heading towards a tree and got back on uh, the road and kind of got control back of the car. And uh, as Kent was talking about, trying to figure out what just happened and how crazy I must be, uh, looking around the car, wondering if I had a buddy back there that uh, had just woke me up. And I remember thinking about that for about five seconds, just kind of wondering what the heck had just happened. And the radio slowly faded back in. If I wasn't already freaked out, that really freaked me out. I was like, whoa, all right, here we go. That was real. That was, uh, got some goosebumps at that point. So uh, it, it really led me to see that in a, in a time in my life that uh, I wasn't sure that I needed God or wanted God, that he was still there with me and mm -hmm. uh, very likely saved my life that night. Well done, man. We serve a God who speaks today. He won't always speak. I know sometimes we want him to speak on cue. 
And God doesn't always work that way. He's not an errand boy that we can command to speak whenever we want. But God is a God who speaks today. Um, a second way God speaks to us in, is in dreams. Joseph, in the Old Testament, was known for his dreams, right? Not necessarily for his childhood wisdom, how to share those dreams. But he had dreams. And he shared them with his brothers. Oh, you're all going to be bowing down and serving me. Which didn't go over very well with his older brothers. But he had dreams that God gave to him and that God brought true many years later. Joseph, the husband of Mary, had dreams. Probably about as many as anybody else that I can think of in the scriptures. That which is in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. Boy, I tell you, I'd like that dream if I were in Joseph's shoes. God cared enough to speak to him. God spoke to Joseph and said, get up and go to Egypt. And he got up that night and left. That's immediate obedience. And one of the things I've realized is that God will speak to people. He's looking for those who are ready to obey. If he speaks to you and you say, I'm not doing that, and he speaks to you and says, I'm not doing that, he might not be that quick to waste his words on a third word. I've had the Lord speak to me, or I've asked the Lord to speak to me sometimes, and what I heard him say is, when you do what I've told you, I'll talk to you again. Like, ooh, I wanted a different word. The Lord's like, no, we're still back on that first one that you haven't quite um, obeyed me on. Joseph heard from the Lord in dreams. I've had the Lord speak to me in dreams. Um, I have a lot of dreams. Most of them you wake up and you go, that was just, anybody have weird dreams at night? And you go, you know, just weird dreams. And you go, I, that's not the Lord. It's just something I ate last night. And it, you just kind of, they drift away. But I, I've shared this once, but it was a dream that was so powerful in my life. I have, most of you know I won a game show back in 1984, one of the crazy things of life. I uh, paid off my seminary education through a game show, NBC Studios, Press Your Luck. You can actually watch it on YouTube if you want to laugh at me. It's very funny. Um, do not, if Kurt's back there, do not play a clip at this moment. <laughs> so I got on a game show by a bizarre set of circumstances. And I went on, and I was the all-time champ, and I won $36,000 in a weekend. Now, this is a guy who's making about $4,000 a year painting houses. 1984, that was my income, trying to stay alive, trying to get through school, trying to make ends meet, eat and go to school. And, and then I win thirty-six grand, right? And that was, it shook me. And I remember thinking about this red Porsche that I had seen. <laughs> about $34,000, and I could walk out paying for this Porsche that had always kind of been like this little dream out there. And I thought, I could, I could buy that car. Wow, that would be so great. Instead of this old beater car with rusted sideboard, I could drive a Porsche. And that night I had a dream. And the dream, you ever seen the movie The Most Dangerous Game? Most Dangerous Game is an older movie where this guy ends up shipwrecked on an island. And the island, the guy that owns the island is this world-class hunter. He's hunted every kind of big game. And he tells the guy after a while, I'm giving you a head start and I will be hunting you. And so this guy freaks out but there's no way off the island and so he runs and he's got a little bit of supplies and he runs and this guy is just the ultimate hunter and he hunts the man in my dream i was being hunted and i this guy would i was running i remember hiding behind this tree in the woods and i could hear his jeep and the dogs and he came over this hill and he came over the hill and it was like he knew exactly, I could see myself through his scope, and I'd get up and I'd run. I was in some hay bale hiding in there, and he'd come over the hill, and it was like, whoop. 
He knew exactly where I was, and I'd see myself through the scope, and I would terrorize in this dream. It was horrible. And I remember then I got into some garage. I was in there, and I had a sawed-off shotgun. Dreams, you just pick up guns, right? You know. And I'm in, this, I'm in this garage, and this door is there, and he comes through the door, and I've got this shotgun leveled at this guy's head. And he looks at me, he looked like the, the Marlboro man, you know, this big, beautiful mustache and the hunting gear, and he looks at me, and he says, well, you win, go ahead and shoot. And I look at him and I say, I can't shoot you, you're my best friend. And I run, and he chases me all night long. Never killed me, never shot, just chased me. I woke up just in sweats and terror. It was a horrible dream. And I woke up and thought, what kind of weird dream is that? I can't kill you. I can't shoot you. You're my best friend. And I got in the shower. God sometimes speaks to us in the shower, right? Got in the shower and the Lord revealed the dream to me. And the Lord said, that man is your money. And that money and that quest for money will drive you every day. It will never kill you. It will just drive you and chase you and push you and control you every day of your life unless you kill the power of money in your life. But you don't want to because you think it's your best friend. It was so clearly the Lord revealing his dream to me. Now notice, I didn't say money's bad. But it was that quest and that drive, that love of money. And I repented. I went to the Lord and said, thank you, Lord. And I went out, and instead of buying the red Porsche, I wrote a check and cleared my seminary debt. And I was free. And I made a determination that day before the Lord that God had spoken to me through a dream and I would never let money be my God. I would never let it control me in life. God speaks through dreams. God speaks through his word. One of the best ways God speaks. Has you ever been reading the word and all of a sudden you read a story or a scripture you've read probably a dozen times and you read it and some verse just jumps off the page? like it just lights up there or something happens and you go, oh, this is a word for me today. This makes sense. This is the word of God. It surely is a clear way that God would use his word to speak to us today. Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It means the word of God brings light to our life. We have to be people of the word. More than more than ever, but as much as ever, the Word of God is needed because there's so many voices that are bombarding us throughout the day. And the Word of God, God will use these words, not just to give us good principles, but to speak to us in a particular moment. You read of the unmerciful servant, you know, the guy who is forgiven millions of dollars, and yet he won't forgive his buddy, his brother, who owes him $20 making up numbers. He owes him nothing, and he won't forgive him. And you read that, and the Lord speaks to you and says, you know, you haven't forgiven. Your brother, your parent, your friend. Remember that, that bitterness you're holding on to? Don't be like that guy. God's not pleased with that. And the Lord will just speak to us by his Spirit through the Word. Or you read Paul's admonition to be thankful. Be thankful in everything, and you think about how lately you've been complaining all day long. Not thankful for anything. You've been holding on to bitterness or, or some challenge, and the Lord says, hey, be thankful. Be thankful today. And you realize, yeah, I've been missing that. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. And your heart changes because God speaks to you through his word. Another way God speaks to us is through his prophets. Um, I'm excited to say that we do have October 23rd and 
through 25th, which is just around the corner, we are going to have our prophetic meetings here at the church this year. And Clem Ferris and Ben Goodman will be with us, two wonderful brothers who are well-trusted and well-versed in moving and ministering in the prophetic. And I can't tell you how many times in this church I've heard people say, you know, I was in the situation, but in that time of prophetic ministry, God spoke to me. God called something out. God gave, spoke to something that he already had in my heart. And I don't know how it worked. I don't know how they knew, but God ministered to me and spoke to me through the prophetic. Probably the most common way that God speaks to us is through the Holy Spirit speaking to our heart. I would imagine all of you would have stories where God has spoken to you. We say words like, you hear people say things like, well, you know, the Lord spoke to me and told me. You go, the Lord spoke to you and told you. What, what, were you, what really happened there? Did you hear audibly? No, no, but the Lord spoke to me. We throw out phrases like that. Or, the Spirit impressed upon my heart. There's another good phrase we use. He impressed upon my heart. Sometimes I go, cool. Well, what, was that, what was that like? Or, I sense the Lord telling me to... And all those things, is it the same for you as me? And what is it when the Holy Spirit impresses something upon our heart? And I repeat, that does not make you a crazy person. Hallelujah. It doesn't make you crazy. The scripture says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. We're all sheep, right? That's not a high calling to be a sheep. However, to be a sheep of Jesus is a wonderful thing that follows, that learns to hear the voice of the Master. And God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. I have some more testimonies. I love testimonies. I'm Brad, come on up. Where you at, Brad? Brad Camp. another friend of mine here. And he was telling me the other day about how God spoke to him. I thought it would be great just to share one of the times that the Lord spoke clearly to our brother Brad, go ahead with both of us. Well, good morning. Um, yeah, God speaks. If he didn't, I wouldn't be a Christian today, actually, because uh, that's really what my testimony is. See, when I was about 20 years old, I was working in a uh, hardware store. I had just started. And uh, as I was walking around the aisles one day, I saw two guys who worked there also, and they were talking about God, and I thought, oh, that's really interesting. You know, I wonder what other people believe about God. I mean, I grew up going to the Lutheran church across the street from our house, and, uh, and I was just really curious what, what other people might believe. And, and so I barged my way in on this conversation. Now, you've got to realize I'm 20 years old. I'm a drummer in a rock band. I've got hair out to here, and, and, uh, and I barge in on, on these two guys and I say, hey, you guys talking about God? I'd like in on this conversation. I said, uh, I've studied a little bit. I've, I've, I've learned a little bit about Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism. And uh, what I didn't know was these guys weren't really talking about God. They were arguing about God. You see, one was a Jehovah's Witness and the other was a Pentecostal. And yeah, it sounds like the beginning of a joke. And uh, anyway, the JW immediately targeted me. He's mine. I'm after this guy. The p poor Pentecostal guy, he was like, oh, what does this hippie want? And, um, but make a long story short, I became friends with both of these guys. And uh, they would invite me over to their houses. And uh, they would feed me supper, which is great because I was living on my own. Way to my heart was through my stomach, and, um, and so I'd go over to one guy's house, he'd tell me what he believed, and I'd think about it, and I'd go, well, that makes sense, you know, and then I'd go to the other guy's house, and he'd tell me what he believed, and I'd think about it, and I'd go, well, that makes sense. Well, this went on for months, actually, at, to where I just got frustrated, and I went home to my apartment, and I'm alone, I'm sitting on the edge of my bed, 
And I just, out of this frustration, I said, God, who are you? I said, you didn't just create us and leave us here and expect us to figure it out, did you? I said, because if that's the case, I'm never going to figure it out. I said, but I want to know you for who you really are. And if someone would have told me what was going to happen next, I, I would probably not believed him. But uh, God spoke to me right then and there. And he said, Brad, between me and you, it's got to be one-on-one. -on -one. He said, you talk to me, and I'll talk to you. Sometimes I'll talk to you like this, but usually I'll talk to you through the Bible. I want you to read it. Now, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, my heart sank at that point because I hate reading. Um, and the Bible's a big book. And, but uh, I did open it up, and I did begin to read it. And as I did, something inside, I felt something physically change inside of me. And uh, it was like there is something alive in me that was not alive in me before. And uh, now let's fast forward here up to just, uh, I think it was last year. Um, and what happened, yeah, it was last year, last November. Uh, our church does a, supports a, a ministry within here that we go to um, these spiritual expos where, where they have all the, um, oh, all the palm readers and people from uh, Wicca and all these things go there and, and they, they have a big shindig. Where, where a lot of people come in and check out. Uh, they get their fortunes read and all this stuff. Well, we put up a booth, and it's, it's really a lot of fun because we go in and we give people words from the Lord. And uh, last year, these three gals come in, and Paul Wichterman and I are, are sitting there, and uh, they come in for a reading. And we tell them, we're not going to read you. What we're going to do is we're going to read God and tell you what God has to say to you. And uh, so these three, they, they hadn't been together in like 20 years, uh, and this was a class reunion, and they got together, they came to this place, they sit down, they're having a great time, and God keeps giving me this word. Now, the word that he was giving me was one out of the Bible, and here's the thing, if I had not put myself in the position of knowing God's word, the Bible, uh, I might not have received this word for this person. But God kept telling me uh, Isaiah 53.3, where it says, it's a prophecy about Jesus saying, he'll be a man of sorrows, uh, and that he will be acquainted with suffering. And God keeps giving me this word to give to this woman. I'm like, why is this coming to me? I mean, these, these ladies are happy and everything else, but finally, uh, <clears throat> Paul had shared what he wanted, and so I shared this. I, I turned to this woman, and I said, God knows sorrow. God knows sorrow intimately. He knows your sorrow. And all of a sudden, this woman just starts, I mean, the waterworks come on, and she is melting in front of me, and I'm like, uh-oh. Um, and these other two women sitting next to her, one puts her arm around her and pulls her in close. Their eyes are as big as saucers. They're like, and they look at me and they go, her husband just died two weeks ago. So this woman was on the outside looking fine, but on the inside she was hurting. And God spoke to her and said, I, I feel for you. I know what you're going through. I know how you feel. So... Anyway, God speaks, and where it can't go. <laughs> God speaks, and where it can't go, yeah. What a beautiful God we serve that cares enough to speak to us through our brothers, our sisters, speak directly to us, led by the Spirit. Um, Linda, come on up. Linda Hanner also shared, I just want one more testimony. I love testimonies. They bring alive the Word of God. And I've asked Linda to share just a situation where God had spoken to her that I wanted you to hear about. Hi, Linda. Thanks, Kent. 
good to be back here. <laughs> anyway, I've been a Christian for more than 40 years now, but it wasn't until about 1996 when we started attending a really small startup charismatic church that I been, began learning to listen to God. And the Holy Spirit was really starting to stir a lot of things up in me. And one day I was just kneeling on the floor in our living room and I told God that I was willing to go wherever he wanted me to go and do whatever he wanted me to do. And uh, it was after that that I really started to hear more clearly from him. And uh, one day I woke up in the morning and I just softly said, I love you, Lord. And immediately he responded, feed my sheep. It wasn't audible, but it was very clear. And then on another occasion, I was again on my living room floor praying, and this time it was just an impression, but I knew, and I know her, that God was telling me to start a ministry in Jordan, Minnesota. And I also knew that I needed approval from my husband, and I knew I, ne I couldn't go without a blessing from our pastor at the time. And my husband, Kim, immediately said, sure, you know, go ahead. Our pastor was quite reluctant and I just, I prayed, and I said, God, I can't go out without this blessing. Well, Jim McCracken, we had just come under the wing of City Hill. Jim McCracken asked to meet with me and our pastor, and as soon as Jim McCracken offered to help, however he could, with this call I told him I had, our pastor jumped on board, and he offered to pray a blessing over us and send us out. So we were sent out uh, back in, I don't know, 19, it was 1999, yeah, that we started these meetings in the upper room of Jordan, and uh, it was some years later, jumping ahead, I was feeling pretty discouraged. We'd been in Jordan several years, wasn't really, I, I was just watching the spiritual tug of war over all these people that we'd reached out to. Um, and it was hard and it was painful to see what they were going through. And I was saying, Lord, I don't know if we're really getting anything accomplished here. I was feeling quite discouraged, but I was um, on my way Driving on my way up to Minneapolis, I'd been invited to a prayer meeting up there. And I, I just said, Lord, I, I'm not hearing anything different, so I guess I'll just keep plugging along here until you tell me something different. And as soon as I got to the prayer meeting, a pastor that I'd never met before walks up to me and he goes, I don't know why God is telling me this, but he told me to tell you that you made the right decision. <laughs> so it's 20 years later. We're still at Jordan. Uh, it's really exciting because after a lot of plowing hard ground, um, actually Jim McCracken spoke that over to us probably 20, almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago, that you've plowed, plowed hard ground, you're going to see the harvest come in. Another pastor that grew up in Jordan on the same day spoke the same words to me. So it's been about 18 years now, but I really believe we're starting to see the harvest come in. So it's very exciting. Amen. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, the Lord wants to speak to us. I want to bring it home on a couple issues that, uh, just to bring it home to us today. Uh, one is we're very aware that there's a presidential election, right? Anybody know that? Happened to be in these days, and it's uh, been lots of contention, strong division. It's a challenging time for our nation. And as I've been praying about it, I think it's just very simple. The Lord wants to speak to us. And I want to challenge you to be people that pray about your decisions. Now, the election is just one of those, but it's a good illustration of something that we're walking through as our nation. And the simple three steps, I think, of hearing from the Lord is to pray, to listen, and obey. You want to take home today? It's pray, listen to the Lord, and obey. So pray about your vote. I think there's Christians that don't even think of praying about it. They just, they talk, they listen to the news, they read something, they know, and, and that's good. Be informed, but we need to pray. We need to pray for our nation, pray for guidance, and let the Lord speak to us. Let the Lord speak to your heart. And then obey. And I would encourage us as a church, as we want to be involved in this world, I want to encourage all of us to vote. 
I do believe that that's part of our role. One of the things that God has told me in really in pastoring here is to send everyone, we're a sending church, and to send everyone into every person's world with the gospel. So I love it that there's doctors and businessmen and builders and, and missionaries. But God calls us to go in, to be a part, to be salt and light in our world. And one of the ways to do that is to be involved in the process. And you'll have different levels. But I do believe God calls us to be a part of it. And I'm not going to tell you. But I will say that you should be praying, listening, and please vote. Ask God. I think he'll speak to us. I had someone say, you know, I was looking one direction and I prayed and God told me. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord. We have to have grace for each other. Because... Not everybody, it's not like if you hear right that every single person who loves Jesus will vote in one way. I don't know that to have that. That's how, I'm, that's how we're wired as people, but God will speak. And I want to trust the Holy Spirit to speak to you. God wants to speak to us. And then with this, when God speaks, one of the principles is you got to do something. When God speaks, it's normally not be passive and don't do anything. And sometimes what, what I've learned in my walk of faith is that sometimes what he asks doesn't make a lot of sense and seems almost silly. Think of Moses. He's got the whole nation of Israel. He needs to cross the Red Sea. The Lord says, stretch out your staff over the sea like right. Can you imagine? You got two million people and what's your act of faith? You know, I mean, that's, last I checked, that's not going to open any waters. But he had to do something, take a step of faith. Think of the men of Israel going up to battle against Jericho. What did God tell them to do? March around the city quietly. If you ever watch Veggie Tales, they, they capture it very well. If you think your brains are very small, if you think marching will be knocking down our wall. But their act of faith, combined with the power of God, gave them the victory. Aaron, there was a a plague spreading through the camp. And what did he do? He took the censer and he ran through the camp with incense. Medically, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. And God stopped the plague because he stepped out in faith. What I'm saying is that when God speaks, he will ask something of you. I've heard it said by... A very elder lady actually quoted to me. I like this little statement. She said, we do the little thing, God does the big thing. Say that again. We do the little thing, God does the big thing. And I ask you, what is God asking of you to do? What step of faith? What, maybe a little thing, maybe seems silly to you. But God calls us to act by faith. You know, this is our year of freedom. God's spoken to us that he wants freedom for our church, freedom for your lives, freedom for our families. So I've been praying over that. said, Lord, what do you have for me in this year of freedom? And one of the things that God has spoken to me is that I believe God wants us to be free from debt this year as a church. Just to give you a little history, um, seven years ago, we, our long-term debt was 1.3 million. My wife and I have been here for seven years. And we walked in and that's, we got this beautiful building and a $1.3 million debt that we were just maintaining. Lord spoke to the elder team and said, it's time to put the church in freedom 
get us out of debt. By God's grace, in seven years, we have seen that debt come down. At the beginning of this year, it was 635000 so over half. Praise the Lord. And today, we are sitting at $477,000. We are progressing. Praise the Lord. And we could play it out over the next numerous years, but I felt the Lord say, will you trust me? I'll just share very honestly. When I went into full-time Christian work, I told the Lord, I will do anything for you except finances. That was my quote. Anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll lay down my life. I will go to Africa. I will live in a hut. I will do it. But somebody else won't do that one. I realize you don't get that with God, do you? If you ever say that, I'll do anything for you, God, except it, it just doesn't work. You know, Lord, you're my Lord, except I won't do this. And so God didn't take my deal. Um, but as, I want to tell you real clearly, just as I, just from my heart, this isn't really about money. It's about faith. The Lord consistently tells me when the issues of money, this isn't about money. I've got all the money you need. I can write a check today. I'm not concerned about the... God, how many think God's really worried about $477,000? I don't think he's shaken up in heaven. I don't think it's a problem for him. He owns all the gold, all the silver, all the cattle. He could sell a little bit for me. We'd be done. But we wouldn't grow by faith. I don't think God is really concerned about how much money it is. I've seen too many miracles. I've seen how God can do that. But I do believe it's a workshop for us as a church because the question is, when I return, Christ is saying, will I find not paid off buildings? Will I find faith on the earth? And he wants our faith to grow. And so I've asked the Lord, well, okay, so what's my step of obedience here? It's not just for me to be praying, which is important. Pray, listen, and obey. So as I've prayed, what I feel the Lord has spoken to me, and I'll just share with you, is that everybody should do something. That means you. And I believe that if everybody listens to the Lord and obeys, we're going to watch miracles happen in this church. And I found it interesting that our year of freedom is also the year of the COVID pandemic, which doesn't really help in my mind. And someone's asked, well, what's your plan? How will this work? Can you do a capital campaign? And I've had zero peace about a capital campaign. Like, nope. No, we need to see God do something here and watch God do what we can't figure out. I have no plan except pray, trust the Lord, and I'm asking everybody to do something. And when I say everybody, I think the three-year-olds. I think the Sunday school. I think those who are watching on YouTube. And if you add it all up, and figure it all out, it's not going to work. There's no plan of mine that says this is how we're going to... That's not what this is about. And I have stories, but I've watched God do the impossible. I watched when I needed, I'll just tell you one, I needed $450,000 in a week. In a week. In a third world country. And I got a phone call from Canada from a guy that said, hey, how you doing? What's going on? How, how's things going with that property down there? Well, you know, we're trusting Jesus. Hallelujah. He said, well, we just sold our farm, and I have a long-term loan I can give you for $465,000. you want it? I'm thinking, who does that? 
who calls somebody no signatures and no contract just sends me $465,000 and we walk in and buy the mission center. And my faith grows that God can do things we've never dreamt of. And I believe God wants us to grow by faith as a church. And that this debt is not the issue. The issue is will we grow in faith? Will we pray? So what I'm asking you to do, pray, listen, and obey. We're going to take an offering at the end of this month. And it's so easy. What my, my fear is in doing this, the fear is, is that someone thinks this is about Kent's desire here is money for a church project. And I stand before the Lord and say, it is not. Are there good things that will come out of paying out the debt? Yes. We can talk about that at a different time. Are there reasons to be debt-free? Hallelujah, yes. But this is not a strategy. This is my attempt to walk in obedience, hearing from the Lord, saying, Lord, what would you call us to? And, I, and his word to me is, I want your church to grow by faith. And finances are just one of the tools. There's a lot of other areas to grow in faith. Finance is just one of the tools that God uses to stretch us, to have us trust not in our own strength, but in God's strength, in God's provision. And I want to encourage you to don't be a spectator. Because if you're a spectator, at the end of it, you'll say, oh, that was cool. They paid off a debt. That is not the goal. The goal is to say, did you hear what God did? I mean, did you? I got to tell you, this is what God did when we trusted him. The Lord showed up. And that's my heart. Let's be a people of faith. I remember when I talked to the founder of YWAM and was telling him how God was stretching us for finances, and I just wanted it to be over. I just wanted to get back to my controlled life, where I had a budget and money in the bank and things insured, and that seemed really smart to me, and I really liked that kind of life. And Lauren Cunningham leaned across the table and pointed at me and said, it's never over. I kind of wanted to break his finger, you know. <laughs> but he was the president and the founder of YWAM, and I thought that would be disrespectful. I'm like, oh, no, and I knew it was the Lord. <laughs> it's like the just will walk by faith, and your walking by faith is until the day you die. And finances is just one part of it. So we have this opportunity. Let's grow by faith. Let's be a church that the righteous will walk by faith. Let's pray. Jesus, you challenge us. You stretch us because you want us to know you and to walk by faith. Not that faith is for marriages, for children who don't know you, for healing for those who are sick, for financial provision, God. You call us to be those who walk by faith, live by faith, trust in you. God, I pray that our faith would grow. That, God, the challenges that we face, that we would be a people that say, Lord, I don't see how this can work, but I trust in you. Help us to be those that listen to your Holy Spirit and obey. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're our guest this morning, I'd love to meet you out there at the worship center. It sure was fun to have a, a kids' ministry that dismissed the kids to Sunday school where they can be trained. I've missed these days. Continue to love on your the people around you. We do ask that you wear masks. We want to be care for those who are vulnerable in our midst. Show love and care. And go and be the church of Jesus Christ. Have a great week, folks. Love you all.
Oh, and if you'd like some prayer, we will have a ministry team over in this section, just way over here. Steve Bradley's leading that up. If you'd like someone to pray or minister to you, they will be available to you after service right now. Thanks much.